Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Today, Wisconsin Associate Head Coach John Reeder is back on the show. John came on the podcast last month, the day before Big Ten started. And when we saw each other the next day at the tournament, we started talking about how much we didn't get to talk to on the podcast. So we knew he was going to have to come back on and share some more stories and share some more insights. I hope you enjoy this conversation. If you do, be sure to leave a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts. And if you haven't subscribed to the podcast, be sure to subscribe. You can subscribe on Apple, Spotify, Google, YouTube, you name it. We're likely there. All right, John reader round two let's go it's bashomania let me tell you something brother he gave us everything he had in him tonight what you gonna do what bashomania runs wild oh it's gonna be a good one and business just picked up here on the podcast John Reeder, how are you? I'm doing fantastic, man. I appreciate you having me. Of course. We've been talking about this for the last six weeks. We we did an episode just before Big Tens. Then I see you the next day at Big Tens, and we were talking like, man, there's so much we didn't get to talk about, not only because we were focused on Big Tens and Seth Gross and everything going on, but your journey, like many, is so unique, and it constantly takes so many different turns, and there's so much to pull from. And it's one person asked me when I started this podcast, like, well, you've got all the top guys, Jordan Burroughs, Bo Nickel, David Taylor, Helen Rulis. What are you going to do when it runs out? And I'm like, have them on again, because there's right. so much you can't get to. So this is a perfect case in point where we were talking about a bunch of different things that we didn't talk about in the first time you were on. By the way, anybody listening, if you didn't listen to the first time John came back on mid-March, go back, pause this, go back and listen to that, get caught up, and then come back. So let's kind of we'll, we'll go through your journey again, but with different angles. And one thing we didn't talk about last time was your high school days. And you were telling me you came from a program that had three eventual D1 NCAA champs and two former NCAA coaches, two former NCAA guys as coaches, right? Right. So a little bit about what I was telling you at the Big Ten tournament. Um, I was very fortunate to come from Davison High School in a program that, man, looking back on the opportunities that we had, you 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 didn't really know that you know, at the moment, right? You didn't really know the magnitude of just how special that was at the moment. Um, looking back on it now, I certainly reflect and look back and say, wow, I mean, just the opportunity that I had as a young kid to be able to come through that program. Um, number one, with the opportunity my parents gave me to to be in that situation, but sure. to have to have the room full of guys that we did and guys that eventually went on to do really special things and Um, you know, you had three guys that won national titles out of that, but there were numerous other guys that had, you know, done special things in their high school careers and, um, went on to do really, really awesome stuff in college. And not only that, I mean, we had two of the most, um, disciplined, relentless, uh, you know, intense guys as our high school coaches, guys that had been through a division one programs themselves, um, leading the way, right. Not, not a lot of kids get to get a chance to say that, that they had, 
Division One caliber guys that were that lived it, saw it, knew sure. what it took for us to be at that level. So we trained like a Division One team, right? Obviously, it was a high school level, but we we were getting trained and getting molded to to be, you know, that transition would be seamless when we got to that situation. If if that was the road we wanted to take, we were certainly ready. And looking back on it, man, I couldn't be more grateful for the opportunity I had to come through Davison. And how how important was that to your development, both as an athlete and now as a coach? Like, I'm curious because I see a lot of guys who sometimes will act like you in the sense of you're one of the most motivating go-getters, and, and you see it. If you follow you, if you talk to you, you know that it's not fake, right? But there's a lot of guys who come and go with a motivation type of preaching, They'll, they'll tweet every day for a month and disappear and fall off the face of the earth. You can tell that this has been instilled in you. And I'm curious if it was back then, if it was in college, when that development really started that got you into this routine and habit that you're in now. Well, I think it first and foremost, it was fostered just from my, my parents, right? Just yeah. kind of, you know, mirroring what they they uh, instilled in our in me and my siblings was just that that hard work ethic, right? It was just you know, finish the job, do whatever it takes to finish the job and, um, give your best effort and everything that you do and see everything through to the finish. Um, but I think that, you know, maybe I come off, you know, super motivated in which I am, but I think a lot of it is, it comes from the dedication, right. And yeah. the discipline. I think that, I think discipline, um, is, you know, I think that is the key because the motivation is going to it's not going to last forever. Right. right. It's how yeah, disciplined it's, it's how it's how disciplined you are once that motivation um, wears off. And that's something that I've always kind of prided myself on. And um, when I'm passionate about something, I'm going to see it through and I, and I go full bore at it. And I think that it comes off when I talk to people as being a motivated, intense guy. But I'm just, you know, I'm disciplined to what I do. I wake genuine. up and I. Right. It's genuine. Right. And and like I said, I love I love what I do. I love the opportunity that I've been able to have as as a coach and be able to reflect on my own career and help that, you know, kind of mold guys in their own journey. And you mentioned that your parents instilled it in you. And it's funny you bring that up because the last like four or five episodes of the podcast have been such different stories about parents. Right. You go from a guy like Mark Hall, who. This guy was in six or seven state championship finals in a row. And I forgot who was just telling me, like, yeah, and his, oh, it's Chris Pendleton. He's like, you would never see his parents, like, preaching wins and losses and, and yelling at him because he lost. And and parenting does, uh, David McFadden was saying the same thing, how important his parents were at an early time. And I'm curious what that was like for you. And when did you realize it? Like, it's always easy now when we reflect back on things and say, okay, my parents did me right here. They failed me there. But in the meantime, it's hard because you got to kind of blindly trust that. And I'm sure it's not always easy. Did you know early on, like, hey, my parents are actually pretty good for me? Like, they're instilling things in me? Or did it take time for you to realize that? You know, I, I absolutely, in the moment, I, I I was very appreciative and very grateful for the opportunities that they gave me. But I don't think it really sunk in um, until later in my life and, and especially now being a parent and um, being a coach and just the opportunities that I was given as a, as a young kid, not every kid is given those opportunities, right? right? They struggle, they struggle to find those opportunities. And, um, but man, I can't speak highly enough about just, just my own, my own, you know, upbringing and, and the, the morals and values that my parents instilled in me and just being that hardworking kid that, um, 
you know, he saw everything through and everything was about giving your best effort. Right. And, and, and the wins and losses will take care of themselves. They never really got down on us. If we lost is, is more about an effort factor, right? It was about seeing it through and giving your best effort. And I'm sure that had to help when you were being recruited. And we didn't get to talk about recruiting too much last time, but I, w- I want to kind of talk about because we talked about your relationship with Cal a bit, but we didn't talk too much about you actually being recruited. And I'm sure when a guy like Cal and his staff takes a chance on you, I'm sure he saw right away what you're describing right now that your parents instilled in you. What was that process like being recruited by a guy like Cal? Well, first and foremost, it was unbelievable, right? It was a dream come true to to be able to talk to a guy that at the time was I mean, he still is, but at the time he was he was everybody that everybody was talking about him, right? He was yeah. the Olympic champ. He was the the guy coming off of one heck of a college career and won an Olympic gold medal. And to have a guy like that calling you and texting you and telling you, listen, you're gonna be the next guy that's gonna win a national title at Iowa State and I believe in you. Um I I always reflect back on that old saying, people don't care. Um, what you know until they they know how much you care and kale was that guy yeah i mean he got down to my level as a high school kid and and got to understand me and he really cared about me right so through the recruiting process that's kind of what i was looking for right i wanted the i wanted all the intangibles that these programs you know have to offer obviously you want great partners and you know you want to be able to collect click with your with your teammates but you want coaches that care for you right and no doubt about it, Kale did that right from the get-go through my recruiting process, and um, he got down to my level, and I just built a really, really good relationship with him right out of high school, and I was like, this is the guy I want to win a national title for. And how did that help you in that national championship? Well, I just think that once I got to campus, obviously, he was the assistant coach when I first started getting recruited by Iowa State. He was actually the assistant to Bobby Douglas, so... I built a great relationship with that entire staff. And then once I got to Ames, you know, from my senior year to my freshman year in college, that transition had happened, right? So the relationship that Coach Kale and I had made that whole time, it, it, it didn't stop, right? So now he was just my head coach. It wasn't just he was my assistant anymore. When I got to campus, it was it was exactly everything I wanted, right? It was the guy I was, you know, I had been talking to the most and a guy that I, I couldn't wait to compete for and um, his entire staff was, you know, it was great. It's that entire staff that he has at, at Penn state now. And I built a great relationship with each of them and each of them had a, had their own little, you know, view on things. And it was a, it was a great mixture. And, um, you know, he took a chance out of me at high school and I'm forever grateful for it. Did your relationship change with him at all once he left Iowa state and went to Penn state? It, I, it, honestly, it never changed our relationship. I still see him to this day at different wrestling events. And, I saw you guys and, after the Penn State Wisconsin duel, like monster bear hug. <laughs> yeah, I, it, and it's, it's he's family to me, right? Yep. And he always will be, and his family's still family to ours. And I mean, I, I was roommates with his younger brother Kyler, and you know, one of my best friends. Just having the opportunity to be at Iowa State and be a teammate of his, and um, so that relationship never fades. That's a genuine relationship, right? Just because situations change doesn't mean that the relationship changes. Yeah. And, and he was genuine through the entire recruiting process as a coach. Um, and even though he went to Penn state, nothing ever changed. Yeah. Right. So that's a, that's a true relationship. And like I said, very grateful for the opportunity he took on me. And when he went to Penn state, I didn't fault him at all. Right. It's an opportunity. And listen, all you can ask for in life is an opportunity. Right. He saw the opportunity and he took it and he look what he's done. Right. He's had a, a, a legendary career as a coach already. And, um, 
I don't blame him one bit and um, things worked out for me on my side as well. And weren't you telling me something about it, it leading to exposing you to even more greater minds as well? Well, yeah, I think that if you look back on my college career, essentially I was around three different head coaches, right? You had Coach Douglas, who was a legendary coach in himself. Uh, You had Coach Sanderson and you had Coach Jackson, right? So with that, along came, you know, numerous other assistant coaches that I was exposed to. And um, so I I had a lot of different minds that were around me and were able to help mold me. And it was, was I willing to be able to adapt to each of those coaching changes? And that was something that I think I did. I did really well, right? I didn't, I didn't sit and pout about it. I didn't sit and say, why did this happen to me? I came in under this staff. Why did the new one? It was, how do I adapt and and get better? Right. And I think the second that my mind and my my mentality really, um, you know, shifted to say, listen, you know, a new staff's coming in, it's time to get on board and let's go. And, and, and I started to really see some growth. And now that you're a coach and you're on the other end, how do you think being recruited by one of the greatest of all time and not only being recruited by him, but your gratitude and your perspective on that recruiting process, how do you think it's impacted the way you recruit now? I think no doubt about it. I go back to that saying again, you know, no one cares what you know until they know how much you care. Right. And I think that speaks volumes in the recruiting process. Right. People see right through the, the I don't want to say snaky, it's not the word I'm looking for, but people see through the when sales. you're genuine. Yeah, yeah they, 100%, right? Yeah. There's there's an aspect that you can, it's a red flag right away. And so when you're genuine and you truly care about a kid and you care about his his future and you care about getting to know the the individual, um, that's that's what I, I, um, I, I try to give to my guys and especially through the recru- recruiting process. You know, as I hear you talk about too, like your passion for a coach, how has that evolved? Like you, you were a volunteer at Iowa state, your alma mater. Then you go, you go top assistant at SDSU. Now you're the associate head coach at Wisconsin. How have you developed as a coach? Like as an athlete, I don't know. This is an outsider kind of saying this, but it seems like it'd be easier to develop as an athlete because it's more black and white. Number one, you have the coaches that it's, you know, it's time as an athlete you're pulling from and and that's when you get a lot of development. But now as a coach, you still got to develop. You want to be a better coach. You want to be more caring. You, you want all those things. How are you developing as a coach as you go on this journey? Well, I think that, you know, I, I started out as a coach right after I graduated college you know, in a volunteer role. So I didn't really have a whole lot of responsibilities other than to train and, you know, hopefully bring back winning winning uh, world and Olympic medals back to Ames. But, you know, fast forward, I got to South Dakota State with uh, Coach Bono, and that's kind of where I really started to cut my teeth. Yep. And something that I'm very fortunate and grateful that he allowed me to do is he allowed me to really start to develop my own, you know, number one, my recruiting style, you know. And um, so I, I got a blank slate on how I wanted to – to, for that to look right. So, um, I reflected on a lot of the different situations that when I was a recruit and what I looked for and, um, things that I truly believe that are important in the process, but everything that comes with being a college coach, um, there's certainly a lot more that goes into it than just being in the wrestling room, right? There's, there's all kinds of different aspects that are very, very important to the program, whether it be alumni relationships, whether it be, you know, marketing, branding, um, budgets, you know, there's, there's numerous things and different hats that you got to be able to, to, um, to excel in. And certainly, 
um, I, I've gotten a chance to to grow and and over the last seven or eight years, it's come a long way in in every aspect. What do you think is one of your favorite things about you know you've you've had three different coaching roles at three different schools from um, Iowa State and South Dakota and Wisconsin. What do you think is one of the favorite things about where you are now? Is it the recruiting? Oh, no doubt about it. I think obviously I loved recruiting just just from a relationship standpoint. I, I love that. I love building relationships. Talking to people comes easy, um, you know, and just being genuine, right? And just caring about people comes comes. Uh, I, I love that part of it. But there's definitely other aspects that come to it and other things that I, I love doing. But I, I love the relationship part of things, and I think that at Wisconsin, just the uh, the magnitude of the university and and how powerful that. W and Motion W is, it goes worldwide, right? So being able to recruit has gotten a little bit easier from that standpoint because the doors were already open, right? You already got one foot in the door when it comes to saying, hey, you know, I'm Coach Reader from the University of Wisconsin. The second they hear Wisconsin, they're like, all right, wow. They kind of perk up and they're like, I want to hear more, right? So from that aspect, it's been great, especially being at where we're at now. And what do you think specifically one of your favorite things about Madison, Wisconsin is like you, you talk about one of the favorite things you're doing as a coach right now is recruiting, which I hear that a lot. Like it, it seems to be everybody who's who's in that position. You are it's just there. There's so much excitement for recruiting, knowing you get to do that for Wisconsin. Like, what is that like? Well, I think that if you've ever been to Madison, Wisconsin, which you I understand haven't what, yet, I need to like soon, <laughs> dude. It's it's a uh, it's definitely a very unique city. Um, it, we're our campus is actually considered an isthmus, right? So we're in between two lakes, okay. right? We have two lakes on each side of our of our campus, which is unique in its own way and in beautiful lakes and. Um, I saw the video it, you tweeted out last week. Or it's maybe a couple it's weeks un, ago. it's yeah. unbelievable, man. It's just a, a very unique city that. You know, I think our population is around 250,000 for the for the Madison area and um, everything that this city has to offer. You have every walk of life, every opportunity that you could possibly think of. If you're into this, you know, if you're into being in the lake, if you're into being in the woods, we have everything to offer you. Um, But that's just the city. Right. So you come to the to the athletic side of things. This state is so passionate about their Badgers. Right. Everybody says the state of Wisconsin, we love the Green Bay Packers and the Wisconsin Badgers, right? So from that standpoint, the energy is at an all-time high when it comes to University of Wisconsin, right? So we've been uh, voted multiple times in, in different publications being the best college game day experience in in all of you know college football. That's so, so wild to be there. It's cra- it's crazy, and and I didn't you know I was like, all right, I'll see. I love college football. We'll see, we'll right. see, right? And then experiencing it, no doubt about it, no doubt about it. And uh, that's kind of where we started to brand the, the jump for uh, jump around yep. for for our own team, right? Because we experienced it at the end of the third quarter of our football games. Eighty thousand people are jumping around to that to that song. So it's a really unique city, and it's something completely different than what we come from. Yep. Um, and it's it's a town that listen, you're gonna walk away with one heck of a degree, one heck of a student athlete experience, and I promise you, um, you're gonna have a, a great college experience here. I'm going to have to come out like for a football game. I've never been there. And it's one of those, you know, I, I watch college football a good amount. So just even seeing the atmosphere, it's wild. And ever since I had Gilman on a couple of weeks ago when he was talking about going to Penn State and I started talking to him about what is it like that you've been a Hawkeye 
and now you're a Nittany Lion, right? And then I had Nolf on, and Nolf said, look, he becomes a Nittany Lion instantly because you're training with these mm -hmm. guys. You're rooting for these guys. It's not that you have any disrespect towards the Hawkeyes. It's not that you wish ill on them, but you're a Nittany Lion now. And it got me thinking over the every ever since then about, like, the journey that both athletes and coaches take. Like, I'm sure you have aspirations to be a head coach. So how do you balance that if and when an opportunity arose, Bono's still young. You can't necessarily just sit around and wait for him to say, okay, the program's yours. How do you balance both your love for Wisconsin and your aspirations to be a head coach? And it's funny because I just had Chris Pendleton on, who, you know, he's going from ASU to Oregon State. And then Mark Perry, who's now going from Iowa to Arizona. And so you see these changes, in it, not necessarily just in loyalty, but it's kind of like you go with the opportunity, but within this sport, within any sport really, but especially within this sport and football and some others, like, man, you, you bleed those colors you either compete at or coach at. How do you balance all that? Well, I think first and foremost, um, you know, just just like you said with Gilman and going from Iowa to Penn State, I think that once you step foot in that door, you're all in, right? There is you're all in. I think that was very easy for me. It might not be for others um, from that standpoint and that aspect. I think that obviously I bled for the Cyclones when I was a was when I was an athlete. I'll always be a fan, and I, I you know I I that was where I my career was right. I met my wife. I accomplished my goals, but being at Wisconsin, it was very easy for me to to be 100% a, a Badger. And um, looking down the road, obviously that's the next step. And um, for me is to be a head coach, you know, hopefully God willing. And, um, you know, whenever that day comes, that's a situation where I, I would love to sit down. And obviously Coach Bonar and I are very close and um, our relationship's very tight. So it would be a family decision. His family is like mine. And um, that's something where we would sit down and say, is this the right situation? And is it the right place, the right opportunity? And um, our, our, you know, does it look right? So absolutely. I think I'd be foolish to say that that's not, uh, that's not a realistic goal for me. How do you, so I, I want to keep talking about coaching, but real quick, cause you've told me a, a number of times that you have a funny story about meeting your wife, but we never get to it. Can you please <laughs> just tell me the story? <laughs> I know. So when we were at the big 10, we, you know, you were talking about how you met your wife and, yep. and I was like, I, you know, I think somebody was up on deck and I didn't get a chance to tell you, but. I didn't know we were going to do it now, but, uh, <laughs> I was at Iowa state and I was actually, I was a redshirt freshman and I was working out with kale. It was right before our, um, our, our mid finals. Right. So it was around December time and I was doing a private workout with coach kale and, you know, like just like any other day, right. I'm working out with kale and, you know, I'm, I'm putting my sweats back on. I thought my class was at a certain time. Um, just say, I thought it was at nine. Right. And I didn't realize that the professor had moved it back to 8am. Right. So <laughs> when I got to I eventually got to class, I also didn't realize that he had, you know, merged two classes into one. Okay. Right. So when I got to the class, I thought I was supposed to be in, um, I peeked in through the, like the little cylinder, whatever square hole. And I'm looking in and I see half the people I know and half the people I don't know. And I'm like, <laughs> this something doesn't look right. So but I saw her in the front row and I'm like, Oh boy. Uh, all right, let's go. So I come back out and you know, I, I look back in the window and eventually the professor sees my eyes and you know, he sees somebody poking through the, through the, uh, the window and he says, come on in. And you know, I eventually came in, I saw her in the front row and there's 300 kids in this, you know, whatever class English, I believe. 
and I have to climb all the way up the stairs, you know, in front of 300 kids, embarrassing moment, right? I'm sweat, I'm sweating because I just got done working out with Coach Kale, and I'm wearing my sweats, and I'm, I'm, I'm wet and sweaty, and, um, but when the class got done, I think there was like five minutes remaining in the class, and all we had to do was pick up our final paper and, and whatnot, so after that class was done, I booked it down the stairs, and I eventually got a chance to, you know, say hello to her, and I made first contact, and the rest is history. What did you say to her? I don't even know what I said. <laughs> probably something corny, right? Probably something this corny. This is what I, was I normally wear in like class. Or... I was, yeah, I was probably sweating all over or something. That's too funny. So g- going back to, to, the, to the coaching side of things, you know, it, it's wild. Like, do you think often, like I imagine for me, Believe it or not, it's sometimes easier when I just kind of blindly trust God in those decisions of of the, the timing. Because if I start trying to go there and figure out the timing for myself, I know I'm going to overthink it. I'm going to be looking for it. I'm going to be all over the place. What is the process like on a day-to-day thing for you? Is it just a matter of keeping your head down and seeing what happens? Well, I think right now I've done a really, really good job of just building a routine. And obviously, I have a two-year-old and a four-year-old, so... There's been times that 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 routine is not 100% solid, right? Um, but it's been great. I've been at home. I, I feel like I'm stealing time with my family, um, time that I, I don't usually get with them, right? Usually I'm out the door at 4:30 and I'm home at seven. Um, so I get about an hour with my family. And but at the end of the day, they they completely understand. I have a, a fantastic wife who understands that. You know, she's been with me obviously for a long time, and you know, from the very beginning of my college career all the way to where we are now, and. So she's seen the dedication and she's 100% committed to where we're at. But I think through this process and all the uncertainty is, number one, making sure that our guys are taken care of and making sure that yeah. they're being heard. And so I think checking in with them from you know a daily to every other day basis is, is very, very important to make sure that they're okay. Um, and then you know making sure we're staying on top of recruiting. I think Coach Bono and I carve out five or six hours a day where we're, you know, we're constantly calling our recruits you know, at least once a week, popping in with them and um, just making sure that we're building those relationships. Right now, typically, we would be in kids' house, right? It's very easy for us to get in a car and to drive however long it takes to get to a kid's house and have an intimate relationship over you know, a dinner table and because um, those are very important to us in our process. And So right now, it's just what's the next best option? So having video calls with recruits and their families and just answering any questions that they have and um, – that's very important in itself and putting together different vir- virtual tours and letting them see everything they have to offer from, um, from our standpoint and at Madison. And, but on top of that, I can't speak enough about what our support staff and our administration does to, to help our student athletes, our administration, you know, Chris McIntosh and Barry Alvarez, our, our athletic directors are, are fantastic. And it bleeds right down to where, you know, our support staff, like our nutritionist, he's sending supplements and proteins and everything to these kids' doorsteps um, from, an, um, you know, psychologists are meeting with kids, you know, over these kind of video calls to make sure they're, they're, they're staying on what they need to do. Um, from a strength conditioning standpoint, they're, they're sending uh, barbells and, um, you know, kettlebells. You and bands. <laughs> I know, right? So they're sending all kinds of equipment so these guys don't have to leave their houses and they don't have to put others in danger and or, or their loved ones in danger and especially themselves. So from that standpoint, it just speaks volumes of how important the student welfare to, to, to our program is and um, it, to the extent and lengths that our, our university will go to make sure they're taken care of. 
Does it get frustrating at all dealing with this through the quarantine? Like, I know there's been a lot of cases where, whether it's me running my company or others, at times it's frustrating because you know what you're capable of. So to make this specific to you, you know that if you can just get in a in somebody's house and sit down and break bread and and have fellowship over dinner, you know what you're capable of. You know it's it's no different than a, a, a sales process where it's like I know if I can get ten minutes with them, I know I can sell them. Kind of similar there. How have you been dealing with the quarantine and the frustration there might be must be where it's like, okay, I got to adjust now. You know, how are you dealing with that? Well, I think that first and foremost is just being um, it's being real with these recruits, right? There's a lot of questions that I can't answer, and there's a lot of I feel like I'm doing a lot of I don't knows, but it's it's being real with them. It's not trying to hide what you know. It's not saying what they want to hear, right? It's being completely honest and transparent through the process and saying, listen. The second we give updates, and that's why it's important to check in weekly with these guys yep. um, because it is a unique time, right? This is the most unique time that we've ever experienced, and especially for these seniors, right? They, they are going through a process that no one's ever been a part of. Um, they're making decisions for colleges they've never seen. Um, so it, it's unique time, and it's just making sure that we're staying transparent through the whole process. Is there a time when it just gets discouraging to you at all? You know, I, I'm so grateful that I have a. The opportunity. I knew you were going to say that, but Listen, I was curious. Like, I, I believe, man, you know, you got to be positive through the situation. You, the, the sun's coming up today and you have an opportunity to 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 be a college coach and at, a, at one heck of a university like the University of Wisconsin. What is there to be upset about? Obviously, um, it, it's not uh, it's not the funnest thing to be quarantined. Right. But it is what it is. And we're dealing with it. And. Um, the first thing that's, you know, at, at our focus is making sure our nation is back to getting healthy. And now another thing you get to focus on, too, that that's not totally new for you guys, but the Wisconsin RTC. I mean, you guys have Seth Gross there now, who the kid's just an absolute stud. You know what I think of Seth. So, you know, what has that process been like kind of starting to really, it seems like, double down on the, R- on the RTC and see what's possible? When you have a, a guy like Seth who's been qualified for the trials since the Bill Farrell, like what is what has your role been and what has your your responsibilities been with the RTC? Well, it's been unbelievable, right? First and foremost, when we got on campus, it was establishing who was gonna be able to help us lead that that our regional training center. And when we got the opportunity to bring in Ben Askren, um, it just speaks volumes of where we are going with this with this uh, regional training center and to have Ben alongside of us, it's been a blessing. Um, he's an unbelievable coach, and he's a he's a great resource for every one of our guys, and they love him, and so do we. And um, and, and like you said, it speaks volumes for having Seth Gross join our regional training center and the uh, experience that he's going to bring in there. And that's kind of been our 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 model when we first got here. We said, listen, you know, we're going to punt on the first couple of years. We'll raise some money, and um, we'll make sure that we bring the right guys in. Right? We want the right guys that are going to they're going to add to our culture. They're going to add to our vision and um, you know, ultimately when you look back on it too, we really want guys that, you know, come through a program that are badgers and have a, um, a sense of responsibility, um, to help these, these younger generations as they're, as they're, you know, winning world and Olympic medals and, and chasing their dreams themselves. So it's been, a, it's been a, um, a great two years. We still certainly got a long ways to go and, um, but we have really good guys in there right now. You got Nick Becker, who's, you know, been very established in, in his career already. He was third on the Olympic ladder a couple of years ago. 
um, that 79 kilos and uh, Newton Smartcheck, Seth Gross, Ronna Heaton, who's a cadet world champion. So we are building a great foundation and uh, very lucky, like I said, to have Ben Askren leading the way. And you're also bringing in alumni too a lot, aren't you? I know. I think it was at Big Tens we were talking about that. How you you guys really want? I know when when Coach Bono was on this podcast, he was talking about the 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 word of the podcast. If I had to pick one, would have been culture. He's so obsessed with creating the proper culture and how important it is. And I think that's such a proper perspective. And if you ask any of the top coaches right now, they're going to tell you the importance of culture. What has it been like to, to get that support from both alumni, from the fans, from a guy like Seth to, to now stick around and stay there? And he's fired up. Like he was texting me the other day. We were just about finishing his website. He's like, man, we got to get the Wisconsin RTC website, you know, that, that operates like this and looks like this. And he's so fired up. Like, what's it like to have the support on all those cylinders? Well, I think when you when you speak about it, alumni relationships, I think that was very important when we first got to Wisconsin, um, because it, it's just realizing the the history of this program and how rich it is, and and how many people have come through this program and done really special things, right? And yep. and how do you bridge that gap between the guys that are currently on the on the team and realizing the 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 history that this program's had, but. I think what we've done a really, really good job of, of being able to engage our alumni, and that's that's a that's a word we use a lot with those guys is how do we get these guys to be engaged in our program? Yeah. You know, from from every age group, right, from the old guys to to the more current guys, and and how do we keep them engaged? And first and foremost, uh, something that Coach Bono does a fantastic job of is he puts out a jump uh, jump around Monday every Monday, right? So that gets them that gives them instant access into our program, and it gives them a a chance to feel like they're involved and they can kind of stay, you know, what's current in our program. And, um, but on top of that, no matter what, we always say yes to every speaking engagement, um, to every, you know, meet and greet, whatever it may be. We want to be engaged with our fans. We want to be engaged with our alumni. And, um, we want those guys to realize like, listen, you played a part in this program. You were a reason why this program is so special. And, um, we want you to feel like you have a part in it now, right? Yeah. You are the reason why this program is, is where it is, and uh, we want you to be back. And I think we've done a fantastic job getting those guys back. Now, certainly, we've got a long way to go, right? Obviously, you, until you're 100%, you're not satisfied. But with that saying, with that being said, I think on the other side of things too, the flip side of that coin is you got to want to be engaged. You got to yeah. you got to want you got to want to be involved, right? So we're doing our best to make sure that everybody's engaged and. Um, bring it back that glory of uh, Wisconsin. And it's funny because one topic that I have written down that we haven't talked about yet is the importance of visual visualization and mindset training. And it sounds like you have such a vision for the the program now. I'm curious at how you've both approached vision and mindset throughout your athletic career and now your coaching career. Well, I think, uh, you know, just the power of what you focus on is, is so powerful, right? And and that's something that I try to focus on daily. But I think that a lot of it, too, is, um, you know, before you talk about the visualization, I think that, you know, something that's so powerful in my own life, something that, you know, I reflect back on my junior year when I didn't accomplish my goals. Um, you know, I went to the NCAA tournament as a fifth seed, got beat first round, and ended up wrestling back to the round of 12 and getting beat out by a guy I had beaten previous in the year. Um, so that was a that was a 
you know, a very tough situation in my life where looking back on it, I think I learned a lot in that situation about who I was and um, the steps that I took to get back to where I was. I was very lucky to be surrounded by a lot of really good people and a lot of positive influences in my life that said, you know, obviously I did a lot of journaling during that time and, um, you know, reflected on things that had worked previously and, and how do I replicate those. But I think being grateful is so important, right? It's so powerful when you are grateful. And um, I, I can reflect back on those times and just getting up in the morning and, and starting my day on, you know, thinking about a couple of things that I was grateful for, right? I had the opportunity to keep chasing my goals, right? I had the opportunity. I had a senior year that was coming up that I, I still had the opportunity to achieve, uh, achieve that goal of being an SA champ. You know, my family still loved me. The sun came up, Um you know, X, Y, and Z, I think that's very important in the process and keeping things in perspective. But from a visualization standpoint, I, I got exposed to being, you know, in that, that visualization stuff. Cause it, back when I was in college, it was kind of taboo, right? Yeah. It was, it was kind of that, Ooh, you talking to yourself kind of stuff, yeah. right? I never, I never, well, at least for, it was for me, right? I never had that experience where I was talking to myself. Obviously you had those, those demons that you would suppress before you walk on the mat, but Never really where I would sit down and start visualizing. Um, had a little tongue twister there. I know. But, that's why uh, I said it too. <laughs> <laughs> I had a tongue twister there. But but I never really was exposed to it, right? I never really understood what it was. And um, and then I got Coach Jackson um, as my coach my junior year, and he really started to implement what he was doing with his senior level guys at the Olympic Training Center um, and being with those guys and um, – sitting down and really walking myself through matches and, um, and visualizing myself, getting my hand raised and, um, over and over and over again. And I think that honestly was a huge part of, um, the process my senior year and, and how much confidence I had was because of all the visualization I did and, and just seeing all the reps over and over and go over again. I would just think about my, you know, number one, two and three best attacks and just visualize myself on a, on a faceless body, just continuing to, to hit those, uh, techniques and to, to get my hand raised over and over and over again. And I think before I was even in Philadelphia, my senior year for the NCAA tournament, I had seen myself celebrating after the NCAA championship match a million times. And that's probably on the low end. Right. But I think it's, it's just, you know, what, what, uh, visualizing the best version of yourself is very, very important when it comes to that. And you've got to be careful and intentional what, what you allow to, to be brought into your head. Um, and that's where I think visualization has a part. And we have actual people here at Wisconsin, they're called mindfulness trainers. Okay. Right. And these guys are, that's their full-time job, right? We have five or six guys on our staff within the athletic department that are called mindfulness trainers. And that's what they do. Right. So our guys have access to it. Now, we don't make it mandatory for everybody because it isn't for everybody. Right. Yeah. Some guys, some guys, you just whatever. But it's there as a resource. And um, I think it's I think it's certainly um, if, if it's if it works for you, it, it works for you. And did you do it for like practice too and stuff like it's funny you say that because there's times when I, I I'm not an athlete. I'm not going to compare myself to one. But from a standpoint of of seeing something over and over. Growing up, as I've before my company, during my company, even now, I'll sometimes think of things over and over and over. And it, it can be whatever. It doesn't matter for me a lot of times. And it's funny because it, 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 I understand when you say like it's a taboo to almost talk to yourself. I do it all the time. And thankfully, like, and we were talking about this is the Big Tens too. Like, 
we were talking both about how grateful we are for our wives and their understanding. And it takes that time of really learning someone. There's times where I'll tell my wife, I'm going outside to talk to myself. And I'll literally, <laughs> I'll walk outside and I'll go in the yard because if I'm going to have certain conversations, I almost need to have the conversation with myself three or four times first. I want right. to talk through how I think the conversation is going to go. And for for years, I kind of thought, man, am I out of my mind? And then the more I'm kind of thinking like, no, I don't care if I am on my, my, out of my mind or not. Like the fact that I talk myself through a conversation and I hear how it sounds once it comes out, it actually changes the way you have the conversation. Did you do it in other areas outside of the match, outside of celebration? Like if, if you're going to sleep, are you doing that with what you're going to do at practice? You know what I mean? Like in all areas? Absolutely. I think I visualized every step of it. I think even when I was on the Aerodyne bike, when I was on the treadmill, whether I was laying in my bed and, and just, you know, I would have a routine, not necessarily, I can't, you know, really recall the exact reps. I would, you know, I would tell myself, listen, I got 50 reps of this tonight. I got 50 reps of that in my head before I go to bed and really try to calm your mind and walk through those. And that's a difficult thing, right? It really yeah. is a difficult thing for you to walk through 50 different techniques and, and not be distracted, right? But I really think that when you focus on the person you want to be, um, it's a powerful thing, right? And it's yeah. it really it really um, it helped me in my career and um, in having the resource now at Wisconsin. Um, if that is uh, just an added tool to your repertoire or to your to your toolbox that helps you get to the be the version you want to be, then uh, I think that's that's awesome did you read any books on it when kevin jackson started telling you about it or how did you start developing that if there's somebody listening right now who you know you've obviously got this down to routine i've kind of got it down to a routine for me in, in regards to what i'll do if somebody wants to start developing that kind of pattern or routine what would you what would you suggest that they do well, I think it, it it first starts, you know, little little baby steps is is important, and because like I said, your your mind is naturally going to wander, yeah. right? It's naturally going to wander, and I think the more you can refocus on what you're trying to focus on um, is important, and and that's powerful in itself. But I think I started. I never read any books about it. I didn't know anything about it. I was never exposed to it. Um, I started doing it after practices is where we first kind of started. Uh, to do it. I just remember coach Jackson, you know, after practice saying, listen, you know, put your feet up on the wall and I'm going to walk you through a seven minute match. Right. And you're going to visualize the first three minutes, how you want to wrestle. And you're going to visualize all the way to the finish where, um, you know, how you're finishing matches. So I think that was, it was extremely powerful in my, um, in the confidence that I built from it was, was unbelievable. And like I said, the power of focus and um, visualizing the, the, the person I wanted to be and visualizing the situations and really feeling it and being there. It, it, it had like a calming experience for me. Has right. It so when I got over to, Oh, no doubt about like it. With I mean, recruiting and everything else. Um, I, you know, I don't really visualize, you know, seeing a, get a recruit from no, that no, standpoint, from, from a standpoint of like, whether it's the conversations or whether it's going after something like for me, as I said, it's kind of like in business or if I got an important call, 
I'll go through the conversation sometimes six times before I actually have it. Like, I'm curious that I know people listen to this show that don't wrestle anymore or maybe their parents or something. So I'm just curious on how maybe they'd be able to apply it to other areas because I do think it's it's super beneficial. I think to see something and to see it again and again and again is so crucial. So I was just curious if you did it in other areas, too, outside of now that you're done competing. No doubt about it. I think that any aspect of your life, if you want to visualize the best version of yourself and or, or being the person that you want to be, I think visualization plays a, a key role in that. And I, I, I would I would have to imagine that all the top athletes and all the top businessmen and you know X, Y, and Z across the board have some sort of visualization and they've seen what they wanted to be. They they seen that goal yeah. from a very from the very start and they visualized where they wanted to be at the end of that road and no doubt about it. I think it's powerful. Last thing here before I let you go, because I, I, I want to try to bring people value. I think we brought people out of entertainment, a lot of value. Last thing, if there's people listening to this, I know right now people are losing their minds with trying to stay fit. Do you have any advice for people on whether it's a workout, whether it's something they can do? I feel like everywhere I look, people are losing their minds right now. Any advice or pointers on how people can stay in, in John Reader's shape? <laughs> Oh man, John Reed of shape. Um, you know, I've got a routine. I, I run at least five miles a day. Um, our strength and conditioning coach, like I said, has been putting out programs for our guys. So I've been following along with those. They're mainly body weight workouts. Um, so I'm running, doing body weight workouts, and I got the privilege to have a you know a nice boxing heavy bag in my basement. So I've been doing short clips on those, at least 30 minutes on the heavy bag, and um, so it's just staying in shape and, and being active is important to me. But I think more important during this time is just being grateful for, for uh, you know, it, it's going to get better, right? And just be grateful for what you have right now and, and be grateful to be surrounded by, you know, family and um, your loved ones. And, and hopefully this is going to be over before you know it. Amen. I think people are starting to get a little stir crazy. And thankfully, guys like you and I, there's so much we can do daily. Um, but it definitely still takes a toll on, on somebody like us. And even the way we do everything right now, it's... It's different than normal for sure. All right. Well, listen, man, thank you for, for taking some time and, and coming back on the show. I'm, I'm sure it won't be the last. <laughs> I'm sure we'll Let's have go. To, uh... I appreciate it, man. I appreciate it. Of course. It's man. always fun talking to you. I always enjoy talking to you. That's why we did it last time. And then the next day I saw you at Big Tens. We're like, let's do it again. So I'm sure we'll do it again. And I'm sure we'll talk real soon, man. Thank you again for making the time. Perfect. I appreciate it, boss. Awesome. And that is it for today's episode. Thank you so much for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed this conversation as much as I did. If you did enjoy this episode of the podcast, be sure to leave a five-star rating review on Apple Podcasts and be sure to subscribe so you don't miss out on more episodes. For more wrestling content, be sure to follow Bash Mania on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And follow me. I'm at JBash on Instagram and at Justin JBash on Twitter. I'll be back with another episode shortly. See ya. And the beat goes on.